My name is David Birnbaum. Welcome to The Safe Space. Today, my guest is Gabe Shipley. Gabe and I talk about a topic that I've been pretty obsessed with for quite a while now, which is the idea of privilege. I have a really hard time dismissing the concept outright, but I also disagree with basically everything I can read about it in the mainstream narrative. Gabe is really good at leaning into this conversation and helping me tease apart a seemingly complex concept, for me at least. We talk about whether or not it's valid, where it sort of, where privilege comes from, and how it manifests. If it's real, how and where do we see it in the world? We also talk about the various sort of causes of privilege, so to speak, whether it's because of your gender or your sexuality or, you know, the color of your skin. I ended up at a very different point with my view of what privilege is by the end of the conversation, and I hope that at least it will make you think as much as I did. As always, thanks for tuning in, and be sure to subscribe on YouTube or your favorite podcasting app, and consider supporting us at btimedia.me. Hey Gabe, how's it going? Great, David, how are you? I'm doing well, thanks. Um, so today I'm excited for this topic. We're talking about privilege, which is great because we're both straight white men. I don't actually know your sexuality, but perhaps we're both straight white men. So we're the, we have the most of all of the privilege. Um, but I, I think this is a really important topic, actually. And I, I actually talked with Greg Salmieri about it uh, maybe a year ago. But I think I disagreed with him then, and I think I still disagree. So I'm interested in your thoughts generally, because um, the idea of privilege in the broadest sense is that, like, as it's used today, is that, you know, some people, you know, because of where, because of their birth status, let's say, in the culture, whether that's like, you know, U.S. or the world culture, have certain advantages over others. So again, like, you know, straight white men have the most privilege because they are the presidents of the United States. The world is built by and for them, so to speak, right? Um, so what are your initial thoughts on that as a concept and, and on privilege sort of as, as it's discussed in the culture? Yeah, I think, I think the concept of privilege as such, I think it gets, it confuses a couple different topics. It, it, convolves them together in a way that I don't think is appropriate and I know is not helpful. So I think, you know, in, in a certain context, it can be important to acknowledge differences in, um, you know, so to speak, where people start out, right? Uh, mm -hmm. Financially, uh, geographically, you know, are you from Florida or New York? Uh, um, maybe even in a certain context, culturally or ancestrally. I mean, you know, different cultures have different values, different traditions, all of these things influence how people grow up, what they in turn start to think as they get older or, or you know, what they think when they're growing up as, as kids and teenagers, of course. That's when we're most malleable. Um, and so I think there, there's a thread in the concept of privilege that acknowledges an aspect that is important to acknowledge. The, the differences that we have uh, with one another in this sort of baseline sense, right? We're all coming from a different place. That's not a controversial statement as such. I mean, it's, it's an acknowledgement of reality. We all come from different places, different cultures, um, different families, 
Right. And so the there's a few things there because I agree it seems perhaps it is a package deal, right? It's used to group a bunch of stuff together that maybe needs to be parsed apart. But for me, it's still the essence is accurate and I never come across a better word for the essence. And I, generally speaking, I'm one who likes to keep words and, and use them appropriately rather than sort of throw them out, let's say. Because what you outlined didn't have any sort of um, evaluative part, right? So like, okay, obviously some people come from different places. People have different starting points. That's it, right? Um, but the idea it, it, implicit in privilege is that certain groups have advantages over certain other groups based on those things. But it's even deeper than that because the conversation I had a year ago was focused on sort of, you know, the idea that like, white males will get a job more easily, which so it's like contrary to being just and rational as a hiring person. But so I, I want to leave that aside and focus on sort of the experience of someone who has or doesn't have privilege, right? Um, because I agree there are different starting points and I agree um, no one can really know based on these traits either, right? So like my grandparents were in the Holocaust, lost everything, came to Canada, and two generations later, like, I have every privilege imaginable, right? Um, and I know people who've come from other countries, other skin colors, that's sort of this immigrant story, but they wouldn't be vilified the same way I may be, right? But sure. to me, the I want to bring up a specific example, which was the first time I definitely wasn't an objectivist back then. So, I, you know, I, I wasn't necessarily the clearest thinking for me. Um, but I remember. I don't remember exactly when it was, but I had been thinking about Trayvon Martin, uh, the young black kid who got shot by George Zimmerman. And I don't know the details of this case specifically. Right. But on Fox News, they were blaming the hoodie. That was sort of the like, why was he wearing a hoodie? And, you know, I went out um, wearing a hoodie and I thought, okay, like the, at least Fox News is saying this is dangerous, right? Um, this could put me at risk, but it's not something I think my white mother would ever be concerned with, but apparently black mothers would be. And, you know, that sort of touches on what I think is the essence of privilege and why it's, it's a valid term, because I've been in other situations where that seems evident to me as well, right? So if I'm out in public uh, as a straight person kissing a girlfriend, I don't have to worry. It's not even a second thought of worrying about will someone comment or sneer, but maybe homosexuals do worry about that. So to me, it's almost like privilege and anxiety are like related, right? So the more, the less anxious I feel generally, the more I think I'm just allowed to do what I'm doing. And I know that that's my quote privilege. And part of that is the education and, and the way I was raised to think I'm allowed to do that. But part of it is the actual state of the culture, right? That like just the nature of the culture we're in, certain people are viewed as allowed and certain people are viewed as not allowed. Um, but so that's I, that was a lot to throw at you. But like that's sort of the thread I think of and aim at when I try and understand privilege, because I do think it's talking about a valid and important uh, idea. 
Yeah. And I, and I think it's important not to throw out the concept altogether. I mean, that's, I, I didn't want to telegraph that I was doing by kind of starting off where I did, but I think that it's important to properly contextualize it, right? So the examples that you brought up are interesting examples. I think that uh, both of them, or maybe there were three, I'll say both, uh, both of them uh, point to, you, you know, you could point to issues in evaluating uh, certain individuals in those situations. Trayvon Martin, right? He was evaluated by George Zimmerman in an improper fashion for whatever reason. And it's it's really interesting that there's no no attempt to dig into the the deeper details of of that case from George Zimmerman's perspective, right? I'm not saying, you know, we should at all defend the guy unjustly, but you know, it, it's it's there's always more to the context, or at least I, I find there's usually more to the context than what you generally see in the headlines, right? Um, white male or he's Hispanic, but you know, for the sake of this argument, white male shoots a black uh, child, black kid. Yeah, that's awful. It's a tragedy. It shouldn't have happened. What was going on in George Zimmerman's mind to entice him to do that or to convince him to do that, to convince him that that was the right thing to do? Was it was it the skin color of Trayvon Martin? Was it the hoodie that he was wearing? Was it, you know, a week before somebody was wearing a hoodie around the neighborhood and uh, shot into George Zimmerman's house? I'm not saying that happened. I'm just saying you mm-hmm. can imagine a context by which or uh, from which in which I guess uh, George Zimmerman could have been very, uh, you know, on the edge of his seat, you know, willing to make irrational decisions at any time. Right. Again, not defending the guy. Irrational decisions are irrational decisions and they can lead and they lead to poor consequences of this. You know, this was an ultimate example of that. A young, a young man died because somebody made a very poor, irrational decision. But the point is the source of that irrational decision. Why, you know, was it because he was a blatant racist who was looking to, to execute this, this kid in cold blood? Uh, maybe, uh, maybe there was some other context to it that, you know, that underlies that. So the concept of privilege to kind of through line this is that, you know, if you can suss out the, the motives behind George Zimmerman's decision and figure out, oh, it's because of this uh, essentialized characteristic, you know, that this essential that Trayvon Martin was a black young man wearing a hoodie. And if he was a white young man wearing a hoodie, he wouldn't have gotten shot. Okay. Then you could talk about the difference in terms of, of that privilege, if you'd like to call it that between that particular characteristic skin color. Right. But I, I, I think it's really hard to tie that to a, a specific case like that. When again, I think the context is deeper. Right. And so I think it's, uh, I think it's, taking the wrong tact to try and apply it in a situation specifically like that, right? So I brought that up as sort of like a social context setter rather than, yeah, I don't think it's like in that situation, it was Zimmerman's privilege that caused him to behave the way he did or Trayvon Martin's lack of privilege, right? The the way I'm thinking of it is more so, the way I would apply it in any given situation would be, Again, more more like someone's view of themselves relative to the culture, right? So um, I forget what comedian it was, but there was a white comedian saying like, oh, weed is finally legal in whatever state, right? And then they're like, except it's been legal for white people for 20 years, right? Because white yeah. people don't get sent to prison as much. Might have been Chappelle, but yeah. Or weed use, or maybe it was Chappelle. Um, yeah. 
uh, here I'm appropriating a black man's joke. Uh, but um, but so it's more so that. And to me, it's like there's three parts of that phenomenon, right? Um because one, it is how people are raised by their parents, right? I was raised to know I had every capability in the world and many young black people are taught, no, they're like, you know, the world's against them, right? And so that is part of it, like the actual parenting. Then there's part, which is like the sort of cultural messaging, but then there's part that is the actual culture, right? Sure. And like, I do have it easier than some people, right? Um, and also, to me, there's almost a valid, uh, like, there's an obliviousness to people who have stereotypical privilege because they're so certain of themselves and they go through life without hitting any roadblocks. Mm. And, like, I, I won't name names, but there's one person I knew in university who literally my friends and I use as the example of someone with privilege because sure. they're just very unaware of themselves, very ignorant of the world, but they've had all of the success they could imagine because their life just started at a certain point. And, and so to me it, but again, like there's nothing wrong. I'm not faulting them for the successes they've had, but it's, it's almost like a psychological thing of right. they, they, they don't understand that, they have it way easier than other people. And to me, that's sort of what privilege is at least aiming at hitting on. Yeah. And, and yeah. again, I do think there's two of the three factors in this aren't valid, right? The way people are taught by their parents or the culture, mm-hmm. that's not necessarily valid. But there is a current state of the culture at any like – like an objectively valid state of things – where it is harder for certain people to get ahead or certain people just like, I joke, like I was 24 before I realized I'd ever made a mistake. I don't think that would have been possible if I was a woman or if I was black, to be honest, I could be wrong, but that's my view of my experience. Right. Sure. Yeah. So I think, I think that there's two ways. I'm I'm trying to think of which one's more important, but two ways to assess what I would say the, 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 the idea of privilege and to actually really understand it, characterize it in your mind properly. I think there's an inward way and an outward way, right? An inward looking way and an outward looking way. And if I could distill it down a little bit in terms of, you know, say objectivist principles, there's, there's the first way, the inward looking way I think is tied most distinctly to pride and the outward looking way is is tied most closely to justice. So let me go through that what, what I'm thinking here briefly is that say for the inward looking way, right? I think that the idea of, of privilege to, to start, I think you have to talk about what it means to identify oneself or identity, right? How do how does one evaluate oneself? Is it um, you know? the, you know, what, what are the essential characteristics? And to tie this a little bit further to objectivism, where does self-esteem come from? Pride and self-esteem are really connected, of course. So the, the idea of building up one's identity, the, the concept of a self-made soul is another one to say, say, is another way to say this in objectivism. It's, it's how do you determine who you are, right? How do you build your character to the point where you want it to be, right? You're, you're seeking values, 
Uh, you're acknowledging when you do things right, right? You not, not patting on the back, but acknowledging your worth. I can do this. I have done this. You know, productivity is another, another element that comes into this, but to take pride in oneself and one's identity is based on things that you choose. That's the essential thing that I think needs to shine through here is that I think there's a really dangerous, uh, maybe not dangerous. I'd maybe say sinister is how I would, how, how I would characterize it. There's this really sinister underlying uh, element in the culture right now that exclusively talks about determining who you are based on immutable characteristics, right? Mm-hmm. Somebody asks you who you are, you're not supposed to you know, say, I'm an electrical engineer, I'm a physicist, I'm a musician, I'm a... Those are all things that you do, that you, you know, can do, that you're capable of doing, that you've built up skill to be able to do, that you trained yourself to do. It, it, it's, it's funny, next time, next time you're in a conversation with somebody that you don't know, ask that question and see how they answer it. It's, it's often that it'll be their job is the first thing they'll say. Second thing they'll say is usually their ancestry, where they're from. You know, I'm, I'm from uh, Louisiana. Um, you know, I come from this town, whatever. Uh, ancestry, yeah, my family is Spanish. My family's Italian. It's kind of like, so that, that's the first thing they go to is, you know, Italian, Spanish. Uh, these things, they had no choice in getting born into the family they were born into. They could have been born a Polish guy. They could have been born an African-American. They could have been born whatever, right? But that's the thing that they tie their, their that's how they answer that question, who are you, right? Mm-hmm. And it's it's not something to be ashamed of. I mean, please don't understand, I, I you know, or don't, don't misunderstand me in the sense that, that you can acknowledge those things about yourself. You come from a certain ancestry, you know, your, your ancestors came from a certain region in Poland or, or Greece or whatever it is, but taking pride in those things, that is not legitimate. One Mm -hmm. cannot take pride in things one doesn't choose. You know, I grew up in Albuquerque. I'm really proud of that. Well, no, not really. I mean, you know, you didn't choose to be born in Albuquerque, right? And so, so to finish this off real quick, I, just b- b- before you come in uh, briefly, I, th- I think what I would say is I think there's a failure to recognize the proper formulation or the proper understanding of of oneself. What is it? What does it mean to be some somebody? Is it is it you know these immutable characteristics? Your white skin, you didn't choose that. You're a male, you didn't choose that either. Um, you, you know, you were given a great inheritance when you grew up or you grew up dirt, dirt poor. You didn't choose that either of those things. It's foolish to, to take pride in any of those things in the same way that it's foolish to build your identity around any of those things. Your identity is built around things that you choose. You chose given whatever situation you had that you were dealt, you chose to make the decisions that would maximize your happiness, right? Or that would maximize your values. You could come from nothing. you come from from extreme wealth, right? It, it, in some sense, it's not that it doesn't matter. It's that in both of those situations, who you are depends on what you choose, what you choose to pursue, right? So come in. I, I agree with all of that. I, I still don't, it's at least beside the point I'm trying to make about privilege, right? Cause I agree with all of that. And I think that's a huge issue with how privilege is talked about generally and I agree there's way overemphasis of like, oh, you should be proud because you were just born black or whatever right. it is. Um, and or like I'm a villain because I was born white. Right. Born white. Right. Um, 
So I, I, I definitely don't disagree with what you put forward. But if there's a fully rational black 20-year-old man who, who thinks that, you know, if he were white, maybe he would have had an easier time getting to where he wants to get to, and he can see less capable white people who have already gotten there. Like, is that valid? It shouldn't impact his self-esteem. It shouldn't impact his pride. Right. But I think that assessment is, is valid sometimes, right? And, right. And as- so I think this is where justice comes in. I think this is, this is, the, this is the outward looking, right? Where you, you, have, you have to be able to look outward and assess the way things have played out in whatever way and assess basically the sources for how things have played out. I mean, in a, in a you know, uh, typical example, did that rich guy uh, get all of his wealth justly or unjustly? Did he swindle a bunch of people out of their money or did he provide a bunch of value to the marketplace, thus making his own life better and other people's lives better at the same time? We, we you know, both, both cases are wealthy people, right? Mm-hmm. So in that sense, they're completely equal. You know, they're both worth $10 million. But this guy's $10 million was gotten in a way that is completely different than the, you know, the justly gotten $10 million. This is the same methodology one can and I think should use to understand the concept of privilege, right? I mean, if if there is a case of a, you know, uh, a young young black woman being uh, uh, disadvantaged, say, in the marketplace, either in education, say, uh, in a job, however you'd like to, even in social settings, right? Disadvantage in an abstract sense. One has to be able to look at that, assess what it is. You know, this is an, a case of disadvantage purely based on these characteristics and be able to speak out against that sort of behavior, right? I mean, be able to actually take a stand and say, oh, not just say, ah, that's just how life is, oh, whatever. I mean, I think there's right. such a tendency for, for especially people on the right, but more broadly, you know, many people in the culture to kind of shrug their shoulders and say, ah, you know, it's not as bad as you think. It's fine. Don't worry about it. You know, like just pull it, you know, get, pull yourself up by your bootstraps and, and keep going. It's like, well, no, if there's an issue here, it needs to be addressed. What, you know, why was she denied entrance into this school? Was it because of her test scores or were her test scores the exact same as a, a white uh, you know, young woman and everything else was equal with a white young woman, but the fact that she was black made it so that she was, was you know, discarded. That's, that's wrong. That is deeply wrong. And if that sort of thing happens, one has to be able to acknowledge that, recognize why it's happening. Was it was some racist, you know, advisor or some, you know, a committee member at, at a university that made the call? Okay, well, let's root out the problem, right? But that, that's the, that I'm, I'm, what I'm trying to abstract this to is one has to be able to acknowledge the facts of reality for what they are and not make them up, right? So if, if there is a young black woman who, you know, did really well in high school, got a lot of good grades, got a lot of good test scores, and then there's a young white woman who got better test grades, or, you know, be- better test scores, better grades, did more extracurriculars, all these things, and that white, young white woman gets into the college and the black, young black woman doesn't, that's not a case of racism. 
that's a case of the young white woman having, uh, you know, higher merits to warrant her going into the system. In fact, you know, if the black woman goes into the college, say that's, that's unjust. How is that a just scenario, right? That that's not a just evaluation of, you know, the merits of getting into college. I know merit is a bad word in these circles these days, but my point is that you have to understand, you have to be honest about what you're evaluating. If you're evaluating merit and ability, be honest about that and be consistent about that, right? In which case, the high, more highly qualified young uh, young white woman in that situation would have gotten in. If you're not evaluating merit and ability, and you're instead evaluating some abstract, um, you know, this group has historically been underprivileged, and we've got to compensate for that somehow. How I don't know this way. Then be honest about that. If that's what you're doing, say that that's what you're doing. So. That's an interesting point. I want to clarify two things. First of all, that, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, you and I both are advocates of like totally unregulated laissez-faire capitalism. So anyone would have a right to discriminate for any reason they want, but it's stupid and still unjust, but they can do that, right? If there wants to be a racist employer, if there wants to be a racist college, they have every right to do that. But then then there's like, competitive opportunities for people who are rational and support people irrespective of race. Well, Um, if they do do that, just to interrupt you real quick, if they do do that, then they have to bear the consequences of the market, right? Yeah. I mean, they, if if that's a regular practice, I wouldn't send my kids there. In fact, I'd tell all of my friends not to send their kids there. I'd tell their friends not to send their kids there because that's a ridiculous policy. Racism cannot be tolerated. Right. And so I totally agree with you, even though many people watching this will call us both racist, I'm certain. Yeah, um, unfortunately. Um, but, um, yeah. Even though I have black friends. Um, um, but my the point I wanted to make was around, OK, some people will say that even if the white girl in your scenario has those advantages, like better grades, better scores, it's because of her privilege. It's it's because of her starting point, right? And I that's see. where yeah. that's where sort of the whole argument does go a bit off of the rails, right? Mm-hmm. But there's a little bit of validity there, right? Oh, sure, yeah, and, and, I, and I'm I'm not denying that, yeah. And and so personally, I would put forward like, yeah, I I, I wouldn't have a problem if I ran a school and I had my own admission averages, maybe like having some set aside for underprivileged people of any sort, right? Um, But some people would think that's totally wrong. Why would I give an opportunity to a lesser person? I should only, you know, advocate for the the excellent people or whatever it is. And so Mm -hmm. there, but it's, again, it's what is the most objective measure of like a person's potential, right? If it is just like... (laughs) I had terrible grades until the one year I wanted to get into college, right? So grades aren't a good metric, generally speaking. Um, and I, I I, don't know if it's worth going down that track because it's a whole mess to then talk about, you know, oh, and I don't buy into the claims that like, oh, because 200 years ago there was slavery, still now Black people are like infinitely underprivileged, right? Like that doesn't make sense to me. And also I don't think that, you know, white people now should pay for the sins of people 250 years ago or whenever slavery was. I don't know American history at all. Um, I'm Canadian, guys. We don't learn it. Um, but oh, Canada. The other thing I want to bring up, 
because I think it's an important point in this whole conversation is sort of the obliviousness of the privileged, I'll call it. Sure. So I mentioned sure. my this person I knew in university, um, and maybe it's not valid, but it's like, it's almost as if the more, quote, privileged someone is, the longer they get there, the longer they have the capability to drift without hitting reality, almost. Mm. Like that's sort of the essence of when I think of a privileged person in the stereotypical term privilege, like how soon do they trip over reality? And it seems to me that that is sort of directly correlated with sort of the the typical view of what privilege is, right? A straight white man can be 40 years old before reality hits him in the face. Whereas, you know, many people with other uh, characteristics hit it sooner. Um, And I don't know how to assess that, but it's a phenomenon I notice, right? Yeah. And, And it's hard for me to separate that out because that's sort of the most stark contrast to me is, you know, um, you can look at some 40 year old drifting bozo who's had tons of success just because he like bounced between the, like he was born into a certain ecosystem and bounced forward without ever having to face reality. Mm -hmm. But I don't know, like it doesn't, but like if I was, if I had a kid and I'm telling them about this person, you just ignore that person. It just doesn't matter to like my life, to your life. Um, But to me, it indicates something. And that's what I'm sort of clinging at is it's related to privilege. It indicates something that I do think is relevant to discuss, but I don't know how to conceptualize it properly. And so it's related to everything we've talked about but it's this sort of what's the proper way to talk about like this, this situation, because it's not the way it's talked about now. It's not to tell people, Oh, you'll never succeed. The world is built against you. Right. But no. Okay. Yeah. There are some bozos who will be 10 times more successful than you without any effort. Um, And you just have to accept that really. But when, especially it comes to, more let's say even more important things than like monetary success so yeah. like um you know there's something something tangible there right right yeah I, I think i mean there's a lot there but you know i think it's important to acknowledge that y- you can't throw you know it, it's it's such a tendency again for i think a lot of people on the right but a lot of people in general to kind of try and throw away the concept entirely, you know, to, to dismiss privilege. Ah, privilege is just, and I think the reason why is because it's been abstracted in, you know, to such an extent, or it's been extended so far in certain sectors. I mean, I don't even think it's really the zeitgeist of the culture at the moment yet, but in certain circles, you know, uh, on, on the primarily the left, you know, AOC and the squad and all those, you know, all those people, I'll be, I'll be charitable, all those respectable people, um, uh, you know, that, that's not the zeitgeist. That's not the, the dominant strain of thought in the culture. And, and so I, I think it's really premature to kind of try and wave away what the concept of privilege, what the idea of privilege is trying to get at, which you, you know, very eloquently, you know, uh, described a second ago, which is 
you know, a part of it at least is this obliviousness to, uh, let's say, the misfortune of others in, in one sense, um, the relative fortune of oneself in another sense, right? Um, and so I, I think that's real. I think that there's there could be legitimate disagreement in terms of both the causes and maybe the remedies is how I'd say it, or, you know, what, what is to be done about that kind of thing. Um, I think that's a rich discussion. And I, and I think in terms of the college uh, uh, stuff, that's a very tough topic. I, I, I don't have a, you know, all colleges should do this with their admissions and not do anything else answer. I, that's, it's a very tough topic. How do you bring in, you know, members of these various communities into the college uh, you know, environment and, and give them the, the best possible education that they have access to, right. Or that they could potentially have access to, you know, that's what you'd want to do. You'd want to be able to nurture them into this state of education that they can really just take off. Right. You want them to have the best shot possible. That's hard. That's really hard to, to be able to really think through the details of how do you establish criteria for that question? How do you enforce that criteria? Uh, what are, what's, what's the leniency, you know, I mean, uh, what, what sort of appeal system is there in the admission process? That's a tough problem. And one that I'm, I'm either not smart enough, or I'm not dedicated enough to solving at the moment in my life. But, um, but it's not something to be swept under the rug. It's not something that you could just say, oh, meritocracy merit is that that's it. Everything should be, you know, just across the board, no consideration for any of that. That's a little bit too much of a, a broad strokes answer, I think. And, and on, on your other point, I think that the, the obliviousness aspect, I think, once again, this is, this is an element where it's important to acknowledge. It's important to understand, you know, acknowledge the facts of reality. Reality is what it is. You know, th- this person has more money. This person has less money. Um, you know, all different kinds of differences that people have. You have to be honest about those differences and acknowledge those differences. The sources of those differences, perhaps how to remedy them if you're trying to equalize in some way. Perfect. But I think, once again, there's a huge tendency to go overboard with this sort of acknowledgement and then going into the wrong sort of remedy, right? Instead of going to remedies that I I think would would work, would have a tendency of working, such as... Um, you know, let's empower people to be able to make decisions. Let's, let's, let's encourage people to have confidence in their own ability to change their own circumstances. You know, you know, it might be hard. I totally get that, but you want to be able to instill at least the spirit of, of confidence in your own mind, confidence in your own decisions, confidence in your abilities as such. What you don't want to do is you don't want to foster a sense of helplessness, a sense of victimhood, a sense of whatever you do, you're never going to make it because of X, Y, Z. And that's, that's what the culture has started to become, right? It's, it started mm-hmm. off as a kind of there, there, you know, we're trying to comfort you by acknowledging this fact that you're a victim, that you're nothing you do will ever matter because you're being held down. It started off as this sort of coddling, but it, that's really not what it is. What it is, it's, it's a diminishment of the reasoning faculty. It's a diminishment. Dimin- diminishment of the volitional faculty, right? It's diminishing the power of choices. I'm not saying that everybody can just make great choices one after the other from wherever they start and everything's going to work out fine. That's not what I'm saying. But you want to be able to foster in people a positive sense of their ability, a positive sense of their uh, mobility in another sense, right? You know, their ability to choose where they go from there. 
You can't, you can't choose where you came from. Can't even choose where you are sometimes, but you can choose where you're going. Right. And, and diminishing that, that encouragement, that positive aspect, which I think is the, really the way to change the culture is focus on the positive, focus on empowering people, focus on encouraging people. Don't just focus on, ah, you know, this victimhood stuff, it doesn't make any sense. It's wrong. You know, people who preach it are wrong. You know, they're the Al Sharptons and the, you know, Reverend, uh, I, I can't even remember his name because he's, he means that, that little to me. Um, you know, the, these, you know, people in the culture who are constantly talking, talking down to people saying, you're never going to make it. You're at the bottom of the rung. And that's so sad. And I mean, you know, you can't just say, yeah, they're wrong. You have to say what's right. What, what is the right way to do it? No, you can make choices. You can, you can, you can move yourself along. You can, even if they're small choices, you know, if it's uh, quit, quit smoking, if that, you know, if that'll help you or, you know, whatever it is, you know, that, that could be a hard decision too, or, or start drinking less. Okay. Um, you know, millimetric things that can help along the road to, to whatever goal that you're trying to get to. Right. So I think that to, to bring it back around to privilege, I agree. There's not as much of an impetus to make those hard decisions or to, um, you know, start off from that lower, lower rung of the ladder, if you will, for those who start off higher, right. You know, with health or with whatever it is. Right. But it, you can't, I think the better way to think about remedying it is not to assign guilt to those who are higher up by no choice of their own, um, or assign guilt to those who by their own choice have made it higher up. Right. Somebody, I mean, it, it's, it's interesting to me and actually quite sad that's that, you know, two guys, you know, millionaire one and millionaire two millionaire one, uh, inherited his wealth. You know, his dad made a ton of money and, and, you know, unfortunately passed away, gave him all, this huge inheritance millionaire. We can, you know, kind of say he's on the same plane as this guy who grew up in poverty, decided to, you know, make decisions, get, get an education, you know, move to different neighborhoods, whatever it is, start a business and then built it into a company that is, that he's now a millionaire. This guy made a bunch of choices to get where he is to be this, you know, very wealthy individual. This guy, not so much, you know, this guy started from a place of privilege. This guy didn't start from a place of privilege. And yet, uh, they're both looked upon in our culture as why do they have so much? You know, oh, you know, what did who did they screw over to get up there? You know, that's the that's the first thing people think of is who did they steal that money from? You know, why why don't I have that money? Um, and and you just flush the whole privilege thing down the drain. It doesn't matter what privilege they had because they look the same in the eyes of the culture, right? So it's like again, these things can creep. These these things can creep. So yeah, there's a lot there. I'll respond to a few things briefly. Um, I agree it's a comp like with respect to the college admissions type thing, right? I agree it's like a difficult problem to solve. And again, in a free market, anyone can do whatever they want. And then the best solutions will become evident over time, right? So like I do think if when I run a big company, I will have like a program for people from like, you know, more hard uh backgrounds and stuff, and hopefully 10%, 20% are geniuses. Right. And like that would be worth it then if you can just filter people into a better education system because of the, the value you're trying to create. And so I think like just if there was more flexibility, that would 
be possible and 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 easy and it's not necessarily taking opportunities away from other people who have more merit quote unquote or whatever it is um i think the last point you hit on is an interesting one that part of the way in which privilege is largely talked about is because of this scarcity mentality right there's only a right. hundred dollars in the pot of money and right. you know the white people seem to have more of it so here's why it's not at all about a value creation mentality and just because joe was born with a million dollars that doesn't mean you can't have the same amount of money or more than joe who knows what joe's going to do and joe's money has nothing to do with you and your success and your money right and the other thing i'll say is you know the the best privilege imaginable again using a more stereotypical way is um to have been born in the US or born in Canada, right? And there was like, my grandparents put in a lot of effort to make a life for their children in Canada so that they could have that privilege, right? Um, right. And like, that is, I think, so important. And I don't know, it, it's sort of that very fact that that amount of upward trajectory can be achieved in one or two generations is nuts. Right. And there's almost this like lack of context in the privilege discussion of that fact. Right. Oh, yeah. um, so like I have a friend, a successful cinematographer, um, like he's tall, handsome, white, but he and his parents had to sneak out of communist Kazakhstan. Right. And it's like this this culture and the way it's talked about, they wouldn't say that they wouldn't understand that or see that right right and so it is so complex but again to me there's two parts of the conversation right now there's the left which says oh it's all about privilege and if you're like on rung four of the oppression olympics you'll never succeed and then it's just miserable for people being being brought up with that mentality right but then right. on the other side there's this dismissiveness right of um and i think particularly of the older generation um, of con like conservative types, let's say, um, who just dismiss it as no, there's nothing here. There's no such thing, which I, I, I don't agree with, or I'm, I'm not convinced of, right. I do still think there's something, um, being touched on, but I don't think it, it's interesting. I don't think it matters a lot. Right. But I think it's important to, identify it as a valid thing that's going on but i don't think it should be emphasized in any individual's life but it does seem like a social phenomenon to me i, I mean in both cases i see it as uh cognitive laziness or at least an effort to decrease the cognitive um efforts that one has to put forward to really evaluate the situation i mean on one side, there's an effort to dismiss it entirely, or at least in some measure, as we've mentioned. On the other side, there's an effort to tie this concept to very simple, uh, surface-level things. Is your skin white? All right, you're privileged. Uh, are you male? All right, you're privileged. There, right. There's no room in that sort of very surface-level, very simple evaluation for your friend from Kazakhstan who happens to have white skin, happens to be a male, also happens to have, a, you know, maybe a, a, a tough couple 
first years of his life fleeing, you know, a very tough situation. That's not captured at all. That that amount of privilege or or deficiency of privilege is not captured at all by this surface evaluation of white right. evil, and, male evil. I mean, and you know, the, so so on both sides. Sorry, go ahead. Sorry. And I'll just say, like the the kind of lazy narrative of the left, let's call it, is oh well, even with all of that, he had it easier once he got to the U.S. than someone who who fleed Sri Lanka. Sri Lanka's civil war or whatever. Right. Right. And like, that just seems wrong. Right. Like, um, I don't think that's true, but they, they, you know, the claim would be, well, there's more white people. I, there's more like white people in, in positions of power who will give like advantages to their white friends, but that's just again, racism. Right. Like, and so, um, so you've done a very good job of teasing this apart for me. So I appreciate it because I now have a hard time thinking of what specifically privilege denotes or connotes without, um, without having another term that's more valid and more precise. Um, Cause I mean, really I looked it up once in this big dictionary I have um, and so I don't know how old this definition is, but it's like a privilege was something literally like granted to people by the royals, right? So it's like, and I think the 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 analogy was like, oh, the culture has granted white people a certain status. That's mm-hmm. the way it's sort of used. And I think that's definitely wrong. But I had a hard time really teasing out every aspect of it because there's a interesting phenomenon. But now... I'll have to think on this for, you know, a little while, but I'm, I'm hard pressed to view it as a necessary term now, which was not the case 40 minutes ago, because there's like, out of all of the phenomenon we've talked about, which one would we deem as the, as privilege, right? It is the package of all of these things. And so it's hard to um, say what, what it would be, right? Because people lacks precision. think yeah. people think it's all of those things, but all of those things are actually unrelated, right? Um, right? Or largely unrelated. The one that I think it's most applicable to is obliviousness, right? That's when I think of privilege, I think of the oblivious people who don't need to worry about the world, but that's just ignorance. So if you're saying like some white people are more ignorant, that would be actually contrary to privilege in a proper formulation because, well, they should have every capability to make sure that they're not ignorant, right? They'd have the best opportunity to not be ignorant. So that's really interesting. A lack of knowledge is not a privilege, right? Right. I mean, ignorance by definition is a lack of knowledge through no fault of your own, right? And that that is not a privilege. If you're lacking knowledge, that's not good. Your <laughs> you're at your disadvantage compared to people you in that so case. much that you have this privilege. It means right. you're you're not living as good a life as you could live, even though you have money, right? Right. Yeah. So I, I think you know to to tie this off with with maybe some uh, you know a, a positive note or the way that I would suggest thinking about this for for you or for anybody who's interested. I think the the best way to to think about these things is in terms of individuals, right? So again, your friend from Kazakhstan is a great example. If you evaluate him as an individual, take the time to understand where he's coming from. 
you know, what, what he's been through that that's the way to, to understand each of these uh, factors that we're trying to, to, you know, really bring into a better bit of understanding. It's not, um, Oh, because you have this in common with other people, you must have, you must by definition have this amount of privilege or, or underprivilege. It's so, it's so easy to do that. And again, broad strokes, painting with broad strokes, and and lessening the cognitive load, the cognitive difficulty, is so easy to do that kind of thing, which is why people always do it. But it's much harder and much more important to understand on an individual level where did this person come from? You know, what 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 difficulties have they had? What choices have they made to better themselves? You know, what 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 are their goals? What are their values? Where are they trying to go? Right. That's hard. It's hard to evaluate individuals, you know, because there's so many individuals out there, right? But if you don't do that, if you refuse to do that, you will inevitably fall into this this level of judging people by these surface level, simple characteristics, these immutable characteristics. They had no choice in any of these things. And yet you're evaluating them by those characteristics. That's wrong. And so you have to be able to go forward and and take on that cognitive challenge to evaluate people on an individual basis. That's the only way you solve these problems. Yeah. And I think the last thing I'll add is I, I think that's like such a good summary and, and assessment. And I'll say it is just as applicable in your own mind or in your child's mind, right? Don't teach yourself. Don't teach others to evaluate themselves based on those immutable characteristics, then they'll never get ahead. Like if you're teaching them that's where value comes from, that these things are primarily important, then they'll never get a sense of self-esteem. They'll never get a sense of pride. They'll never think they can accomplish things. So the same way it's detrimental to use that assessing others, it's probably more detrimental to use it assessing yourself. Absolutely. Couldn't agree more. Thanks, Gabe. This was very helpful. Yeah. Thanks, David. Appreciate it.